Well, it is a treat this morning to welcome um, a good friend of mine, Mr. Rob Pennell from New Life in Wickford. Um, Rob and Lizzie are um, they're real good friends to me and Leo. They support us personally, um, and uh, also we've obviously been growing and connecting with um, New Life Church in um, uh, in Wickford and South Woodham um, across that bit of the Crouch Valley. So um, it's a joy to have you back with us, Mr. Pennell. Come on up. tell that my wife leads the campus that I go along to. Uh, she's very quick to tell me when I go, oh, hang on, timer, that's what I need, yeah. So I understand you've got 30 minutes of listening to Rob and there's 15 minutes ministry, is that correct? So I put my clock on for 29 minutes, okay, and then I know that I'm not going to get told off. Well, not here, I would at home. Uh, my wife would be saying, Rob, you're going on too much. And then it's, it's, what's really interesting is when other people go on, she doesn't say anything at all, which is really, really funny. Um, so, yeah, I get 30 min- 35 minutes and everyone else gets as long as they need. Um, so it's really um, good to be here. I want to thank Pete for the invitation. Um, this is like being with family, to be honest, uh, coming here. There's places I go where that, that certainly wouldn't be my experience. Um, I, I don't feel I've got to justify too much when I'm here. Um, if you don't like what I say, I, I really value feedback. Um, I'm not here to cause offence or to ruffle your feathers. I, I'm just bringing what I feel God has asked me to speak. And this is a word that I, I, I'm probably going to... Um, uh, right into a book, actually, because um, I think it's something that is, there's a few things to say. And so I shared it a couple of weeks ago at South End Christian Fellowship. I, was, I shared it in my own environment. So you, this is a, a process because I've realised that I, I don't need to keep inventing words. You know, when I used to go and speak or was speaking somewhere, I'd really get on my knees and seek the Lord for a fresh word every time. And you know, that just puts pressure on you. And actually, it's totally unnecessary. There's things that you carry as an individual that you just carry, and there's things that you don't. So if you want me to speak on sort of parenting, I, I could probably do that, but it doesn't, it doesn't really get me up in the morning but there's other people in our environments that could really speak on that with a real heart of, of God. And I, 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 I'm doing, I'm, I'm life coach, so I've, over the last few months I've, I've learned what my lane is. And to walk in your lane is really important and not try to be distracted by the thousand and one things that you get interested in. And so I'm speaking to myself around... Do not get distracted. You know, it's very easy when you're just sitting with God. Uh, I do that often. Hopefully you'll realise that by the end. Um, just sitting with him and, you know, and I think, oh, let's have a little read about Brexit. 
Or, oh, I see Boris has made another outrageous comment. And in the end, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place and I've, I've given myself some time to be alone with God. And the trouble with these devices is they're very easy, aren't they, to pick up. You start looking at your Bible on it and then before you know where you are, you're, I wonder how many likes I got on Facebook this morning. Oh, someone said that. Oh, dear. And I guess you're from Chelmsford, so you're not like that, but... Uh, <laughs> From Basildon, we are. We, 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 our, our attention span is increasing, but it does tend to uh, wander. And one of the things that came out of the, the life coaching was, you know, because you meet this person every... I'm, I'm every two months now. I'm, I'm away from every month. And you know you're going to meet this person and they send you a little list of the things that you've said that you're going to do. And they're really asking you how you're getting on. And I... For the week before the life coaching session, I try and do a few things that I said I'm going to do. So at least I can sit down and say, I've done some stuff. Okay. And uh, when you're a very opinionated person like I am, you tend to have a, a multitude of opinions about everything and anything. So I, I really think I would make a good prime minister. <laughs> and I, 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 I'd love to stand at the dispatch box and, you know, Say a few things like, can we have, some, have honour in this place? Can we respect the fact that we don't all see eye to eye, but actually you value, I value you as a person? And I think Christians, we have a unique opportunity at this time to, to just reveal what, what the kingdom is like. And, you know, I'm, in, I'm having a debate with one of my close friends. He's a, he's, a, he's a reformed theologian and him and I, needless to say, we don't quite see everything eye to eye. But I wanna, when I engage with him and, and talk with him, I want to honour and value his, his understanding of scripture. I don't negate his view. I respect him, I honour him. But I believe it is okay to see sometimes to see things differently and to allow space for that is really, really important. Uh, we, I, I lead an environment where we are trying really hard to live in freedom. But as a leader that's lived under control sometimes, there's, there's occasionally where you, you feel yourself reaching for the, that back pocket, that card, because someone is living in freedom and you think it's completely ridiculous and you... You feel this urge to pull out something that looks like control again. And the moment you do that, you've actually invalidated the freedom that you've been talking about previously. We, we are not, I am not, looking to control anybody. It's really difficult to control myself without trying to try and control my wife, for example. So, as I was praying for today um, and I, I was just trying to wonder when to say this because this I think is, is something specific for you and so I thought if I say it at the beginning then hopefully by the end you might still like me. Um, if I say it at the end it might lose focus on what, what I feel God is wanting me to talk about, what I feel released to talk about anyway. But for you as a church I, I just was praying um, earlier in the week, and uh, I, I think you guys, you know, beware of offence and taking offence. 
I sense there are some people here that are easily offended. And I want to say this. What I feel is that such attitudes are stunting the environment's, this environment's ability to grow. Jesus never offended. People chose or cho- yeah, chose to take offence. And I just feel that you guys need to, in this drive for f- pursuit of freedom, I've not drive, it's driven this, pursuit of freedom, it's very easy for us to be offended by what others do. And I just felt for you as an environment, and even from the leadership r- right across the church, you need to stop easily being offended. That's what I felt God just wanted to underline. Um, yeah, I'll leave it there. I'll let you guys unpack it if you feel it's relevant. I and appropriate, I, I just throw out a few things. Uh, the SCF, when I was there, um, I was just la. Uh, I, I feel God is a God of abundance, and I was just at SCF, they, they just had these really little offering pots that they passed around, and I just felt God say, get bigger offering pots. You know, abundance is important, and we need to demonstrate, active, pro- proactively give people visualisation that abundance, what abundance looks like. I was praying with the Lord uh, a few weeks ago, and it's probably a couple of months ago now, it's a different message, but it's the, the, the limitation of what God can do is always on my side, never on his. So I sometimes look and I think, whoa, I'm not sure I, I agree with that. And it normally is a limiting factor that I'm bringing in. And I, I want to say that our God is a God of abundance. When the hungry, when the 5,000 got fed, there were 12 baskets left over at the end that I think probably went to a, to a local food bank. People got fed. So he gives more than enough. But I want to say with the Lord, nothing's wasted. Nothing. No experience is wasted. So and I, th- I think some of the, the, the scriptures, this, uh, the, the little sharing that you did this morning, the little bits of sharing which were really good, I, I, I just felt particularly one of them kind of underlined my start in verse... Uh, in John 10, John 10, 10, it says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Uh, you, you know, I could, I've, I've, I've got a message on that verse, but I'm not bringing it today. But you know what, I could just camp around that verse for a year and still, get, and still not get it all. See, the enemy, and I think in this verse, Jesus is talking about Satan. Satan wants to rob you and me of everything. He is vicious. He is strategic in his robbing. He wants to kill, kill dreams, kill aspirations. He wants to destroy. That's all he does. That's all he 
he, he, wants, he wants to destroy us because we are lovers of Jesus. He doesn't mind if you sit on a seat and you know, you're ineffective, he'll maybe let you get away with it, but the moment that you start reaching out and pushing out for more, I just want to say the enemy starts to come after you. And I think for Transforming Essex Churches, some of the things I'm seeing is as we push into some new ground, the enemy is coming and we need to make sure that we understand his assault on us. He is a robber, a killer and a destroyer. You're all looking serious. You're making me nervous. But Jesus, because he's good news. Everything he did was good news. One of the debates I'm having with my friend at the moment is what is the gospel? Because Jesus didn't just speak words and preach. He talked about repentance, but he also demonstrated healing. You know, people seeing... Dead raising, Lazarus didn't Lazarus died early, that's why he brought him back. I've got to go, I got away with that one. You know, does the enemy destroy people before their time? Absolutely, that's what John 10, John 10 says. You know, we, we God does God allow things to happen? Will he set the boundaries in place? Spiritual warfare is for a purpose. Prayer is for a purpose. Sometimes we have to, you know, we've we've had two friends in our environment die of cancer. I want to say that cancer is not something God gives you. It is a demon. And somewhere in this this journey that we're on, I believe we're going to see see overcoming of things like that. See, the enemy robs. We've had a a 38-year-old friend uh, recently died, used to be part of New Life Church, and I think went to... Meadgate at some point, he died. You know, his sons who are growing up without a father have been robbed. We need to get serious about what the enemy does. He wants to destroy the effectiveness of this environment. So taking offence sometimes is opening the door up for the enemy to come in and land on us and then we just end up being offended by anything and everything Offence is a choice. The fact that some of you might be offended by what I'm saying now, that is a choice. Wherever Jesus went, it seems that the religious got offended, but people were set free. And Jesus has come to give us abundant life. That doesn't mean an easy life. I, I look at abundant, a full life. We need to understand, we need to walk through suffering and handling it well. We need to know how to walk through disappointment. We need, because that's a full life. It's an, being disappointed is an ex, experiential thing. When I say that God, Jesus has come to give us life in, life in all its fullness or abundance, I'm not talking about everything is hunky-dory that you never have difficulties, that every, every time you go to a, a Christian meeting, the Holy Spirit is moving and everyone that comes forward gets, gets healed, all of that. Um, that's what heaven's going to be like. But here we have to contend. We have to stand up and grow up. If you look at Hebrews 6, whoever wrote it and they think it could have been a woman, 
the person that wrote it said, put away the elementary teachings. And I I feel for, for the church, sometimes we need to put away some stuff. We need to overcome the elementary stuff. And sometimes I look at the six things and I think, Crumbs New Life Church, we're still wrestling over who lays hands on people. This is elementary. So there must be more. And I, I believe that there's, there's going to come a, a generation, I hope it's the generation that stands before us, that we're going to push in and make something ours. You know, praise God for, for Martin Luther who nailed some stuff on a, again on a wall in 1600s. But I want to say some revelation, there's been some additional revelation since those days. God is speaking So there's the Logos word and there's the Rima word. And we've had some words shared this morning. But if it's from God, both have validity, actually equal validity. Because when God speaks, he speaks. I can say this here. If you're not coming back for a while, you can can rationalise some of it. But guys, the word of God is important. We are called to mature, to grow up. And some Christians, we just allow ourselves to be read and we, to, be, to be robbed and we allow other people to, to tell us what we need to believe. You know, you have a responsibility for what you believe. A good teacher isn't just bringing correction. It's, it's lightening up the word of God so that we can think. And you know what? We can think for ourselves. I, I feel sometimes we've, been, we've, we've, we've robbed the church of the ability to think. The enemy is active. The thief only comes to steal, kill and destroy. And Satan is the master thief. Only means amongst other things, solely or exclusively. And then Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. The authorised version states more abundantly. I, I think God wants to give us more, to, for us to experience more. Not just in times like this, but when we're at home, he wants to come and visit us with abundance. He wants, he wants a, a relational connection with every individual. See, God sees you as immensely valuable. Hence he sent his son. It says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. God only sent his son for people of value. Because, and and you, cannot, you cannot value what you do not love. So God loves us. He loves you and me. Come on. Jesus promised us a full life. He promised us abundance. What does abundance look like for you? Are you living in abundance? Are you walking in abundance? Now, I'm not talking about, you know... I want to be careful here. I'm not 
promoting that I buy myself a private jet that I can fly around the world, okay? I just want to say this is not the, it's not about the prosperity gospel, please. I'm parking that. But he wants you to walk in abundance. He wants you to walk in fruitfulness. He wants you to walk in the immeasurably more. He wants you to give out of your abundance to those that have lack. He's a God of abundance. He's a God who wants to give us things, spiritual things. Things that are going to pull you into your purpose and destiny and plan. And everyone in this room, you have a purpose, you have a plan. God has a purpose for you, a destiny for you. And so many of us, we walk aimlessly through life, waiting for God to do something. You know, we have to, we have to appropriate what God has given us already. So if, you're, if you just want, to, you want some backing for that, because I can see some faces looking a little bit queer in this, look at the whole thing of stewardship. If you can't steward one shekel, you ain't going to be given ten. But if you can steward one shekel well, guess what? You're going to get more. And that's the same with the kingdom. The principle of the kingdom is when you steward what he gives you well, guess what? You get more. Hallelujah. That's what I want to do. I want to steward what he's given me. I want to steward it really well. Because I believe as I steward this, I gain, I get more. You know, uh, just a really funny little story uh, over the last couple of days. Um, just getting up to speak recently, and I get a text from George and Banoff, out of the blue. Hi, Rob, how are you? Happy Father's Day. I'm in London. I was thinking, that's weird. I've heard from him for about two years. What makes him think? George and Banoff, for me, is up there. You know, I look up to him. I, I, I value his inputs and his crazy wife. I value their inputs. But getting a text from me is not normal for me. And then a couple of days later, I get, a, I get a Facebook request from Sherry Silk asking for me to be her friend. I'm thinking, this is unnatural. Uh, again, I, I put Sherry and Danny on a stage up here. When you move in your lane, I'm not, but when you start to walk in what you're doing, guess what? Got people start to recognise and see who you are. People seek you out because you start to walk in the destiny of who God says you are. If you're not stewarding what God has given you well, he's not going to give you more. And I, and I, I, I feel that in my spirit that for you guys as a church, steward what's been put in your hands and steward it well. And guess what? God will give more. But if you're going to spend your life arguing and disagreeing and be honest with you, we've all been in church times where that has happened. Guess what? You're going to miss out on the more. This called is not a kingdom principle. John 17 talks about let my people be one as we are one. That is a prayer that when I look at the church often is the prayer that I don't see being answered. And yet Jesus would never have said it if he didn't think it could be possible. How you behave, how we, how we act is, is important. And so this is the, the main thrust of what I wanted to say. Is the enemy comes to rob, 
kill and destroy. And yet, Scripture in John 15, 1 to 17, you have God pruning. So pruning for fruitfulness, it says. So what's the difference between robbing and pruning? Because sometimes when God prunes, I have to say in my experience of God pruning my life, is it's not always been easy. In fact, initially, it's been quite unpleasant. Because it feels like something that I really value and enjoy doing, he prunes off of me. So, I no longer am responsible for Sunday mornings in New Life Church, Crouch Valley. Initially, that was hard, particularly when my wife was the campus leader and she appointed a few people. And over at our South Woodham campus, we have another camp. You know when you, you first... Those, I, I'd never, I've always been intrinsically involved in Sundays in my own environment for about 20-odd years. And all of a sudden, now when I go to church on a Sunday morning, no one's asking me anything. And I sit, I position myself, I sit, I don't sit anywhere near the leaders, and I sit there, and last Sunday, it was an experience of pruning, my wife, who leads the camp, said, oh, Rob, could you share something? Because there was something that I'd received on social media. And I went through all of my various things, and my wife thought I was taking too long, so she shared what had been said. And then as I found it, she said, no, 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 I've shared it now. You took too long, go and sit down. That was pruning. I am no longer responsible for Sunday. Sometimes I feel God gives me a prophetic word. And in our environment, you, you know, like here, you, you kind of indiscreetly go to the leader and you share something in 10 seconds that then takes 30 hours for people to share. But, they, but you, you then, they, they sort of sit with you and then my wife will go, no, I don't think that's appropriate. And you think, oh, great. And, and you, you sit down again. Pruning's not easy. See, when, you, when God says your season of doing something is over, he's pruning you. Sundays, sometimes I don't agree with what's going on. I, I, and... Lizzie, he looks at me and, you know, when we get home, I go and she goes, oh, that's okay, thank you. Uh, the campus leadership team are handling that. We're dealing with that. Thank you for your comments. We appreciate them. <laughs> but please, we're going to go on, you know. So sometimes you, you hear God right and you say something, and of course, I'm underplaying Lizzie. She will definitely say, yeah, that, I really need to hear that. But, you know, pruning, when you've led Sundays for years when God says your season is up, it's not because he wants to tell you off or to have a go at you. It's because he wants to give you something that's more fruitful for you. Okay, so we, if, we, if we just quickly look, look at John 15. So John 15, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Yeah, oh, that's really good. Come on. Yep, you're the, yep. Yeah, you're the gardener. Woohoo! I love you, Jesus. Yeah, everything you've got is good. 
Praise the Lord. He cuts off oh, every branch that bears no fruit. Oh, I've got some unfruitful areas. You can lob those off. You can lob those off of me any time. I've got some irritating people in my environment. That's an unfruitful area. Lord, you can lob them off. Oh, I want to deal with you, Rob. I want to deal with your heart. We had a really difficult guy in our environment. And he used to, every Sunday used to come up to me as soon as the meeting was over and 10 minutes of following me around, telling me about his week. And to be honest with you, I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. And after 10 minutes, my eyes glazed and I was just looking for a reason. Please, someone come and rescue me. But because this guy is quite consistent, no one rescues you when you've got this. And then God rebuked me. He said, I want you to look at that person through love. And value. Know what? He no longer annoys me. Being pruned isn't the person over there. The person that God is pruning is me. Hallelujah. While every branch that does Bear fruit, so this is a good bit. He prunes so that we will be even more fruitful. So, just to say, to discern between robbing and stealing, sickness is not a pruning tool, barrenness is not a pruning tool. My daughter desperately wants children, she's adopted two, but she desperately wants a natural birth. Barrenness is not God pruning. Low-level living is not pruning. Lack of worth, and we talked a little bit about that earlier today, is not pruning. Poor relational connections are not pruning. But God never robs you, he never kills you, and he never destroys you. Oh, good. Now, guys, told you. Listen to this. You are already clean. You are clean. So when God prunes you, I've got a word for you guys. which I'd like to give at the end, but when God prunes you, it's not punishment. You are already clean. Isaiah 58. Everything that I deserve was placed on him. <laughs> and everything he deserved, <laughs> I get. So God's not, once I accepted Jesus in a back garden in Kelvin Hatch in 1980, yep, it was 1980, that immediate moment I was clean. And I've never been dirty since. I was washed 
in the blood of the Lamb. Whoa. It's a one-off. The problem is I was clean, but I didn't know it. And so I allowed the enemy to come in countless times and rob me and steal me and kill my identity. I allowed him to run ragged in my life. I led a church with an orphan heart. I'm now learning to, to be a son. Orphan-heartedness in us gives a, a door for the enemy to come in and rob, kill and destroy. And he comes in like a flood. And Jesus is standing there saying, I am for you. So I'll finish with this because my time's up. Paul Manwaring gave us a word recently at Transforming Essex talking about Bethel and who's on the chair and he talked about it's the presence. At Bethel, you, they, is, is the presence is, is, the, is the sea and the four legs. And I'm, you know, we had a word, Liz and I, or Lizzie had a word right at the start of the year from Amos. Don't keep looking to Bethel, seek me. And I just want to say, this is a, a word for Liz and I, we are not, we are not Bethelites, we are seeking him. But Paul Manwaring brought something about who's on the chair. And I was walking the other day, I do a three mile walk most mornings because I, I want to try and look trim, and it, it's difficult at 57. Food just looks really appetising. <laughs> and I was walking... I was walking along early in the morning just thinking and God, God gave me a, a, spiritual, a spiritual download on what Paul had been sharing because it's not wrong to hear a word and then pull it in and say, great, and then God gives you more revelation. And we just had a difficult leaders meeting where there was tension in the room and we let the tension stay there and we left without trying to sort it all out. Relational love does not deter, does not, my, my reaction to people is not determined by whether they agree with me or not. It's determined by the fact that I'm in covenant relationship with them. And so there was this chair. I, I got, God told me about a chair. He said, last night in the leaders' meeting, when you were wrestling over certain issues, and I want to just say, being an opinionated person, I wasn't part of the wrestling. I was just listening to other leaders. Thing. And he said, what was on the chair? Because if Jesus is not enthroned, when you look at your problem and fears on the chair, guess what your decisions are? Fear-based. If disappointment is on the chair, guess what your decisions are based on? Disappointment. And I've been in meetings where we've made decisions based around fear or what people might say. Or disappointment. You know, have you ever been in meetings where people have come and said, oh, we've done that once and it didn't work? As if that's the arbiter of everything we should do. But I want to just say to you, finish here, that we need to put Jesus on the chair. When we're being pruned, it's not the enemy. It's sometimes, well, it's every time it's the Lord. And so therefore we need discernment between what is robbing and what is pruning. You need that and I need that. So I just want to finish this morning because my time is up.
is Oasis Church. Who's on the chair? Who's on the chair? When you look at Oasis Church, your leadership, your leaders, your fellow journeymen, who's on the chair? My experiences, as I've journeyed with this, there's a lot more to say, is when I put Jesus on the chair, I can only look for an attitude of love. I can only look through the eye of unity. I can only look for abundance. So Father, I just thank you for these guys. For those who are in Christ, there is no shame. Our shame was placed on you, Lord. Thank you. You are pulling us into freedom. You are drawing us into abundant living. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So is it okay just to share a couple of things? Um, all right. Do you do, I can do it privately, but okay, that's cool. So you guys, I, I, I just sense that this, there's a transition going to come for you. When I looked at you earlier, I, I saw the word elevation. Um, I need to just check this. I'm assuming you're, yeah, because I, I did it at one church and Lizzie came up to me and said, did you know they were married? I said, no, I just assumed they were. And from that day, I've, they were married, thankfully, but Lizzie thought they weren't and I was giving words about having kids and all this and, she, yeah. She said, they weren't even married. I said, I think they were. They didn't say no. <laughs> you know? yeah, no, sure. Well, that's not down to me, but... Yeah, be Rob, don't stop that. Delete that from the tape. <laughs> but I believe particularly the word elevation for you. There's a season coming for you. What is your name? Laura. Laura. I believe there's a season, season coming for you, Laura, where he is going to elevate you. There's, there's some dreams that you have go back to childhood and, I, I, and I, I think God is going to bring your dreams in alignment with your destiny and he is really really proud of you there's been days recently or over the recent where you felt a little bit dry and God is just going to pour out his spirit on you to refresh areas of your life where you have felt disappointment 
where you have not felt encouraged, where you have felt people put restrictions on you, he is going to pour out his spirit on you in an immeasurable way. And I, I just sense in, the, within, in a year you're going to look at those situations now that sometimes you, you go look at with, through the wrong filter. I believe that in a year's time you're going to look at them and there's going to be no pain on those areas. This is about restoring the years that the locusts have eaten. I sense elevation over you as a couple. I don't know what that means. Transition, again, I could probably give you some my own thoughts, but that's not what you need. But you're in a period of serious transition, particularly regarding your vocation and call. And uh, the other guy that I, 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 I feel I've got a word for um, is the is Steve. So Steve, I just wondered if you could stand up, do you mind? See, you have a guy in your midst who is exceptionally gifted in the ability to communicate through dance, drawing, uh, mime, and yeah. And Steve, I God is going to put you on bigger platforms than you've been already. There is something in you of real humility. Um, I, I hear the word that sometimes you've felt quite alone with the gift and call that you have. And, the God, and God is saying he's leading you into a place where you will be properly fathered and cared for and supported and cheered on. That the, envir- this, the environment that he's placed you in is, a, is an environment that's going to go, come on, Steve, there's far more. Sometimes you have stood feeling... And it's, I know there's good people around you, but there's been times when you felt abandoned, you felt left, you felt struggling with things. And I, I believe God is pulling you out and he's bringing you into an environment where you're going to know that you are really secure and that people aren't challenged by the gift and call that's on your life. And I, I believe that this is going to be a season for you of, of l- learning to live out of a son mindset rather than out of an orphan, orphan heart. I, I don't know if that, that means much... So, guys, I don't know if that meant anything to you either. I, I just want to be accountable for the words I bring. So if there's any discord, you know, I want to get better at hearing God. I, I, I know I can hear God. It's just hearing him, hearing him well. Um, and then, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen you before. Yeah, you. Uh, I, I may have done, but I'm, I'm pretty good with faces. But I, I feel that God is saying to you, and so your name is Debbie, I feel, Debbie, what God is saying to you is he wants you to flower. He has got things just for you to walk in. And sometimes there's a timidity around, what is that really me? What will other people think? Uh, but I, I feel God is saying that he wants you to, to flourish and flower. And so you've got to start to realign how you see yourself with the identity that he, is, that, in, that, that he has. You are a daughter 
He is proud of you. He's cheering you on. You've been in environments sometimes where you've not been celebrated and God is going to say to you, he's bringing you into a place where you're going to be celebrated and flourished and, you know, possibly it's here. <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, um, yeah. So is it, just look around. I, I don't have words for everyone, but I, I just feel there's, ah, yeah, there's people that have, uh, yeah, yeah, you, you, what is your name? Yeah? Sorry. So, so what is your name? Aya? Hadia. Alia. Where are you from, Alia? So you're Chancevodian. Okay, I thought, when I first heard, I thought you were from Poland, so that was, that was clearly off. God hasn't created you to sit in the back row and to feel that you are insignificant. You are extremely significant to him. And at the moment, even this is embarrassing for you. So I'm, I'm really sorry. <laughs> but God is raising you up. You have a voice. And that voice, I can see this means something to you. That voice, some people around you have tried to quieten. But I, I, I just feel God is saying he's given you a voice and it's to your generation. And you need to learn to, to walk in boldness. You need to position yourself where you're being stretched every time. God hasn't called you to sit at the back. He's called you to be at the front. You choose where you position yourself. But he is saying the front is ready for you. And I'm not talking about you going into leadership tomorrow, okay? But where you position yourself is important. When you walk in a room, how you view yourself is really key. Your identity comes from the fact that you are a daughter, not what anybody else thinks. And I believe God has brought you into a safe environment to be cheered. And I think these guys are probably for you. If they're not, find a different church. <laughs> does, that, does that resonate? 